Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Steve Robinson on the line. Steve, how are you? I'm great. Good morning, Michael. How Good are you? Mor- I am awesome. Good morning to you as well. Really looking forward to this conversation. So for those that don't know you, why don't you share a little bit about your backstory and then we'll dive into the conversation. Okay. Um, well, let me get this email off my screen so I can see you. <laughs> uh, well, I, I was raised in South Alabama, Auburn graduate. Uh, met my wife, uh, Diane, there on a blind date. Uh, we, in fact, we married four days after we both graduated on the same date. And uh, she and I have just celebrated 50 years of marriage. It's gone very, very rapidly. Yes. We have two great children. Our daughter, uh, Joy, J-O-Y, is in North Atlanta. She is married with a son. And my son, who's four years younger, also in Atlanta with his wife and three children. Um, I, after Auburn, uh, we loaded up and headed to Northwestern, where I went to the Medill School of Journalism and Advertising. <clears throat> it's now called Integrated Media. I think Integrated Marketing. And um, went into that program and, and went a, just went four straight quarters. Very fortunate, finished. First job is Texas Instruments and their semiconductor group and their consumer group, which <clears throat> at that time was brand new. As you might guess, it was to uh, market handheld calculators, which back then was a new deal, <laughs> new thing. So another thing that gives away my age. Um, and I specialized in marketing with what they called it the scientific um, calculator market, engineers, mathematicians, et cetera. I was there about a year and I got a phone call from a director of marketing, Six Flags of Texas, who was a brother of one of my Northwestern classmates. Uh, he had an opening at Six Flags. The short of it is I went out there, spent an entire Saturday, interviewed, loved it. Very, very brand-centric organization, marketer marketing organization and I went home discussed it with my, my, my Diane, my wife, and I took it. Um, I ended up with Six Flags for seven years. The last four years I was director of marketing for Six Flags over Georgia in Atlanta. Uh, so obviously they shipped me over there. I was thrilled about that being, being from the Southeast. During my tenure there, I met some folks with Chick-fil-A. Uh, actually, we'd approached them about building one of their restaurants in the park as a way to build their brand for a trial. Because at that time, <clears throat> Michael, they had, gosh, they had less than 100 stores, only in malls. Most people didn't know anything about them. And the park was doing over two and a half million guests a year and was a potentially a great way to help build their brand. Um, they chose not to do it because they couldn't make money at it. And we had told them that up front. Um, 
goal was to help build the brand and create trial. But uh, if anybody was going to make money, it was going to be the park. But we left on good terms. And about a year and a half after that meeting experience, um, Jimmy Collins, who was the COO, who I dealt with, <clears throat> called me one evening at the office. And he said, I don't have um, a marketing director. We, we, we don't have any of the resources that our stores really need uh, to build sales. Would you have an interest uh, in joining us? And uh, now you have to remember, I interviewed with Six Flags for a day. And I thought, okay. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what's three or four days? This could be interesting. I love what I'm doing at Six Flags, but this could be, this could be fun. <laughs> well, I'll shorten the story. Just say that. Five months later, I was still interviewing with them. And um, I started interviewing with them in August. And in December, uh, I was still sitting in Troop Kathy's office, the founder, uh, talking about that job. And uh, anyway, I'll stop there. Uh, my kids all live in Atlanta. I have four grandchildren. Uh, we're very blessed. And uh, right now, I'm, I wrote my book, and I spend time doing consulting and speaking and just enjoying my family. That's awesome. That's an awesome career path that you were, you know, you positioned yourself and, you know, and, and God puts you in the right places at the right time. So yeah, that's, exactly that's, you know, so that's, yeah. Not, and you can see that you see, you, you see you know, through the entire path. Sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we don't necessarily see it, but I, I know that you, you did. Cause again, when, especially, when you mentioned, you know, that, that really long interview with Chick-fil-A and my goodness, yeah, that was definitely long, but I look at it now from a vantage point of, you know, where that organization is today and you know, your obvious fingerprints and input made that happen. Yes, there was other, and I know you'll say this, uh, there were other people involved. Yeah, you had a team and you, you know, there was everybody, everybody in had input and created the massive growth and brand that that is, you know, it's, right. you know, if I, th if I think of brand, that's definitely one that I think of, you know, you know, there's, there's restaurants, there's stores, and then there's brands and they have stores or products or services or what the case may be. I, you know, I think of Chick-fil-A, I think of a brand and, you know, from, from their sauce to, you know, not being open on Sunday to, be consistent. I will say this. I've been in many of them all over the place from, and I live in Toronto. So there's one actually in Toronto that I frequent from time to time. It's not close to where I live. So it's a little bit of a commute. Yeah, I've been to Chick-fil-A, you know, in a variety of different states and obviously in the Toronto, Ontario location. And it's consistent no matter where you go from the service to the friendliness to to everything it, yeah. it, it literally you you forget you're inside you say okay i'm inside of chick-fil-a you could be in atlanta you could be in san diego you could be in toronto you could be you know somewhere yeah. else and it's consistent and that is you know, that's a critical component and i'm sure was a big part of the design you know from from when you know, the beginnings of the organization to where it is today, it's still consistent, which is, it speaks volumes, you know, to the work that you and your team did, because many times we see this when organizations get really big, they kind of lose their way. 
yes. uh, for a variety of different reasons. And yes. from my perspective, it, it it appears that everything is is still marching forward on on the brand and, and the way that the things are. Because you know, I was in one it was a few months ago, um, and you know, it was as consistent as, as ever. Um, yes. And even even. Even with even with supply chain challenges, even with the pandemic and everything else, uh, that that speaks volumes to the foundation that you and the team laid. So, you know, congratulations to that. So, let's talk about the book. You know, let's dive into that. You know, what what motivated you to write a book? Because I, you know, I'm an author, and I know I interview a lot of authors, and it's a very time consuming endeavor for sure. Yes, uh, uh, but but I my hunch is. You, you, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but because I definitely want to sh- have you do that. But you know, what was your motivation uh, behind <clears throat> you know creating this book and spending yeah. so much time to get it out? Yeah. Great question, Michael. I uh, I left Chick Fil A full time in 2016, but the uh, chairman who replaced Truett, his oldest son, uh, Dan Kath, asked me to serve on the board. Uh, and they do have a, a fiduciary board. Um, and I served on that board for three years. So anyway, I, I start going to board meetings at the office. And about a year and a year and a half into that board service, I start sensing these little cultural clues that things aren't quite the same at Chick-fil-A. And I think in large part because of the rapid growth. Um, when I joined Chick-fil-A, sales were about $100 million. When I left Chick-fil-A my last year, uh, we had sales of $6.8 billion. And they have averaged over um, a billion, as high as $2 billion a year in growth per year since then. So, obviously, they haven't missed me. But um, I started sensing um, cultural quirks. I went to Dan Cathy and I said, Dan, um, <clears throat> the most important asset you have here is your culture. Uh, you really don't have a chronological history of the brand. Um, Truett, would you allow me to write it? I said, yes. He said, absolutely. So that was the motivation of the book. Initially, how can I help the Chick-fil-A family as they continue to grow? Uh, remember, understand the roots, the key stories, the principles that were the, were and are the underpinning of that business. Took me about a year and a half to write it. Uh, as I finished it up and let different people <clears throat> proofread it for me, uh, I had a lot of people say, look, this, this has got just as much application in the open market as it does at Chick-fil-A. So I chose to go after a, a publisher, Thomas Nelson, and Go public. And uh, so I I would tell you that they uh, are very sensitive to the fact that when you start adding uh, dozens and dozens and even hundreds of team members at the staff level every year, hundreds of new operators and thousands of new team members, and you have a culture as crucial as Chick-fil-A, which was built on the values and the, and the key principles of the founder, Truett Cathy. You better make sure the leaders are paying attention to it, telling the stories. And the book is simply one of many resources they have uh, to, to help people understand 
who they really are and why they exist. Um, one of the fundamental underpinnings of Chick-fil-A was Truett's favorite Bible verse was uh, Proverbs 22, uh, 1, where it says a good name is to be more valued than riches. And in fact, in my last interview, he, that verse was on his desk and I commented on it and he told me the story about how he, that became his favorite verse when he was in elementary school. And I commented to him, I said, sure, you know, really, that's what a great brand is. And he was kind of, he was kind of cute. He said, uh, what's a brand? <laughs> I mean, all they were focused on was selling more sandwiches. And I said, true, a brand is, is a great reputation. Uh, it's a reputation people can trust. And I mentioned that to you because you alluded to a crucial principle of great brands, and that's consistency. And his underlying motivation in life was not to build wealth. It wasn't to, you know, run up a stock price or run up a balance sheet and then sell the public to the, the business public. His primary motivation was to have a great, consistent reputation and allow Chick-fil-A to be a platform that people, other people that were invited into the business could thrive. Uh, personally, professionally, financially, spiritually. And um, so therefore, the most important thing to him was to protect the name of Chick-fil-A. Well, one of the underpinnings of that is you got to be consistent. Everything about the brand. And uh, having almost a 35-year journey at Chick-fil-A, um, we went from a company that was focused on just selling more sandwiches, which they, that really was their focus when I joined them to a company that started to understand that reputation and brand is actually much harder, requires much more planning, much more in the way of systems, training, procedures, measurement, consistent feedback from customers, et cetera. And consistency is king, whether it's food, service, cleanliness, environment, every encounter with the brand either strengthens the consistency of the brand or can damage it. And um, uh, when I left, just before I left in 2012, we did quite a bit of customer brand research. And one of the things we learned was by 2012, um, the, the key concept that customers fit played back to us was that Chick-fil-A was a place where they felt personal engagement and hospitality. And we coined the phrase out of that research, where good meets gracious. And what was really enlightening about that was the thing, the virtues that they loved the most about Chick-fil-A didn't start with the food. It started with these, these relational engagement issues uh, in the drive-thru and at the counter and at events in the community and even making me laugh with the cow campaign. Um, that's, that's the journey of the brand was from a sandwich, just a sandwich, to a place that people felt like they were respected, noticed, engaged with, and taken care of personally, no matter how they were interacting with Chick-fil-A. And whomever the people were that told you that this you know, guide for how to do things at Chick-fil-A was actually applicable to organizations all over oh, yeah. was spot 
on because with with this pandemic with the great resignation and quiet quitting and all the things that we're hearing about workplace retention you know all the challenges that a lot of organizations are struggling with at the core of all of those things is a reputation of that organization and their branding who are they you know what are they doing and and sometimes that messaging gets convoluted or changed or it, it's not they write it in pencil i don't know it's just there's a lot of things that yeah. it just impacts the ability of those organizations and those organizations are the ones that are struggling with finding people and yes. recruiting a good friend of my brother's uh who lives in the detroit area owns uh, now three restaurants he just bought one a few months ago and you know those restaurants of course you know during the pandemic you know many restaurants struggled and you know had to close for a bit or maybe never reopened number one he never closed number two there was only one employee that left and unfortunately uh it was uh, an employee that had caught COVID and passed away no lay no layoffs no one quit he kept them on the payroll he, he made everything great and you know he's done so successful that he bought another restaurant and my brother was talking with him a few weeks ago and he said so did you have any challenges with the pandemic and you know, losing anybody he said you know only you know the one employee that had passed away he said i've been hiring and i just bought a new restaurant and oh. and why because he compensates his employees well but more importantly and you feel it when you go in there and i've been into a couple of the restaurants you feel it there's just there's an energy of everyone working together collaboratively in a system. They're having fun. They're bantering with their guests or their customers, however, how they, you know, they, they, however they want to refer, they refer as guests. Um, and it's, it, you, you sense that I walk into there and I go, okay, this is different. What is it? And it, 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 it starts with, with Mike, Mike Pierce is uh, the guy, you know, Mike, has, you know, we've known Mike for a long time. And he just, he, he's being successful. He's a small business owner. I don't think he has any plans of franchising. Maybe he does. I haven't had that conversation with him. But that framework of consistency, everyone knows, you know, and, and you know, they get new customers all the time and growing and expanding is because they care. And yes. I, that's, that's the underlying root of, you know, what, you know, the Kathy family and everybody that's been part of that organization is they care yeah and that goes a long way let me, let me build on that a little bit uh people ask me constantly uh, when i go consult or make speeches if you had to um pinpoint one just one thing that's crucial to the chick-fil-a culture and i would argue it's crucial to any organizational culture what is it and I would say clarity on why you exist. Um, I've, I've noticed that many organizations are very foggy about why they exist or it's constantly changing or it's purely, it's purely temporal economic. Um, Truett, in 1982, there was a major financial crisis. Some Americans will remember interest rates were triple where they are right now. Mall business basically stopped. Retail sales dro dropped more than 
First time ever he had a sales decline. And we went off site to figure out what we were going to do. Well, I'm going to shorten the story. We made decisions to, you know, protect cash flow and froze hiring, froze the number of stores they built, et cetera, et cetera. But we spent the better part of two days stepping back and saying, okay, are we really clear on why we exist? Because over half of our staff and operators have been with us uh, less than two years. It was those early stages of growth for Chick-fil-A. And we wrote the Chick-fil-A corporate purpose to to make it very clear to people the most important thing at Chick-fil-A was to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Now, I don't know if we knew how important it was at that time, but we basically, the Lord led us to document three key principles. Honor God, have a positive influence on everybody, and only do that if we're great stewards. And um, that purpose statement became a major, still is a major litmus test of how we made decisions, what we put money into, uh, whether we felt like every additional operator we recruited or staff member we hired was going to contribute to that purpose. And even in times of crisis recently, like the pandemic, um, we're going to stay true to that purpose We're going to make the investments we need to make to continue to honor that purpose. Uh, So much like you alluded, uh, Chick-fil-A operators, Chick-fil-A backed up the operators so they could keep their team members. Major investments were made in stores to accommodate the loss of dining rooms. Dramatic ramp up of technology interfaces with the Chick-fil-A app drive-through capabilities, drive-through technology, remodeling stores for more lanes and protective cover, et cetera. This is when everybody else is going in a shell. Uh, Chick-fil-A said, no, we're going we're gonna to keep driving towards our purpose statement. And if, we, if our profit margins are less, fine. Well, actually what happened was their sales boomed because they could accommodate, they could serve people in a convenient way, a personal way, still out in the drive-through with real people on an iPad um, and doing it quickly. They adjusted to the environment and still were able to fulfill their purpose. And when purpose is clear, what happens is you've, you've empowered everybody in the organization to make decisions smarter decisions quicker without them having to go vertical, without having them go to, you know, somebody higher than them to, what do I do about this? If you're clear why you exist, it actually becomes much easier for people to make those decisions as close to the customer as possible. And that really, um, of all the things about Chick-fil-A that helps them stay centered, it's the clarity about why they exist. No, that's an amazing organization. And again, your fingerprints are all over it. So Steve, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you, your book, and all this amazing work you're doing? Well, thanks. Thanks, Michael. I, I do have a website, uh, srobinsonconsulting.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. 
Um, my book is available, uh, Covert Cows and Chick-fil-A is the title. How Faith, Chicken, and Cows Build an Iconic Brand. And that book is on Amazon, and I think Walmart has it um, digitally. So uh, it's still out there. I hope people will buy one and enjoy it. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes as well. So people can uh, find your site and also pick up your book, which I highly recommend on that. So again, Steve, thank you. Uh, Bless you for all the amazing work you continue to do. And thank you for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.